power to break the cycle. And it's really time to take accountability for breaking any cycles in your life. If you feel like you're stagnant, if you feel like you're stuck, if you're like, oh my God, I keep going through the same situations. I just want to elevate then you definitely want to stay tuned because in today's episode called Breaking the Cycles, we're going to be talking about why you're stuck in a cycle, how to break those cycles, my personal experience with going in a cycle, and why you can choose to go on a different path and why you can overcome this and how you can move forward in life um, not feeling overwhelmed and not feeling stressed. But before we continue, here's the intro. It's Avi, bitch. Welcome to the Avi Unfiltered Podcast with your fabulous, blunt, I'll never give a fuck host, Avishai L, national best-selling author of The Power of Why book, holistic health coach, certified raw food educator, and spiritual healer, teaching women, professional and entrepreneurial, how to get rid of stress through nutrition and lifestyle in 90 days, utilizing my six-step eat stress away method. Now, if you heard holistic health and you think you're going to hear about blueberries and eat those and shit well you'll hear about that too but let's face it sesquiterpenes and vetiver essential oil and cedarwood or the anti-helicobacter and sulforaphane compounds and broccoli are not the only things that are going to help you deal with your shitty ass boss at work your stressful life and or underlying traumas so we are going to tackle it all you will be immersed in the mental physical emotional and spiritual aspects of life discover how to deal with personal interdependent and interpersonal relationships of all kinds let's make crazy look sane every fucking tuesday yay and throw them smoothies and green juices back one time Make sure you are subscribed to the Avi Unfiltered podcast and that you leave a five-star review. Thank you so much for people who have been saying how much they love the show and they've been listening in and they've been inspired by it. Make sure you go back and leave a review, a five-star review, since you love it so much. If you'd love to join my Stress-Free Me membership, it's $29.97 for the month or $299.97 for the year. If you're signed up for any of my higher price programs from the $797 program, to the 3500 program if you're doing the um the online coaching part of it then you get in for absolutely free um I'm building a great um community of women in that stress-free me membership so I'm really excited um that I got to launch that that was part of my vision that I've had for a very very long time so make sure you Look at the show notes. Um, it's in my link tree link or whatever, which I thought was pretty much easy, easier than, you know, putting all those links in there. You could just click one link and click on whatever you need, whether that's a free resource, joining a membership, what have you. So click on that link for anything that you need, whether it's planners, journals, notebooks, supplements, vitamins, whatever, because I am an affiliate um, of various companies whether that's ActAware, Dr. Furman, or um, the other the other one that I recently had become an ambassador for. Haven't had time to do any of those. But make sure you um, look over those links and get whatever you need. If you have any questions, always feel free to email me. 
or go to my website, fill out the contact form, whatever's easier for you. So without further ado, let's deep, deep, deep dive. I hope you have a notebook and I hope it's the Avian filtered notebook because you're going to need it for this. So I've gone through life. Um, so I'll share my, you know, personal experience with um, cycles and certain patterns and um, there's been so many cycles I've had to break. Um, the first cycle that I do want to discuss is I call it the dad cycle. <laughs> um, now, I was around my father off and on for eight years. It was mostly off because he was not um, that present in my life. I hold no grudges towards him. Um, he's part of my cynical humor today. <laughs> <laughs> he's part of my cynical humor today. I'll jokingly say Eileen Warnos is my cousin because it's just a joke. Like you see the TikTok woman, um, the tick people on TikTok, they do that woman that was on lockup and they're like doing her voice and shit. That's how I am. Like, it's just funny, you know, with me. So I took on a cynical sense of humor when it came to dealing with, you know, someone like my dad. Um, you know, people see my dad and they thought he was a really, you know, great person because a lot of narcissists are loved by society. But, um, you know, because they're they're not exactly some some narcissists are abusive, but some are not on the surface. So you would never know. They're just very charming. So to, to society, he was like a great person. You know, my father was a former Marines and one of the good old boys, you know, my dad, but that's not, he was not a stand-up guy. And this is, like I said, this is not to bash my dad. I'm just saying the truth of how it was. Um, so just a little backstory, dealing with my dad, um, you couldn't really ask him any questions. Um, if you did ask a question, you were never going to get a straight answer. Um, my dad was the type of person, if you saw a butterfly and told my dad, and, and you saw, and I saw my dad kill a butterfly, my dad would say, no, you didn't. Like, it would be, that's how he was. He was the type of person that if he did something, he would say he didn't. Just to make you think that, just to protect himself, to make you think he was crazy. You know, women, women liked my dad. Um, my dad, you know, liked women. Um, and... So he, he wasn't present. He was, he was a, I don't really know what the term would be, but I know people say love bomb, but it was a different type. Like he wasn't the type that would say, oh, you're gorgeous or you're beautiful or anything like that. Like those kind of love bombing narcissists, but he would be present in my life and then I wouldn't see him. So it's like, oh, here's a ring, but you're not going to see me for the rest of your life. But that's, that's going to hold you over. And then he went to his other family which he married someone who I'm not bashing her, but she did look like the penguin. You know, my mom looks like an empress and the one he married looks like a penguin. Um, my mom was actually the one who decided to divorce him because she had self-respect. And um, I would have done the same thing if I was dealing with somebody like that who had, you know, alcohol addictions. Um, he did have good points, but most of them were, I mean, it, it was like he really, he didn't let anybody in. He was very aloof and flighty and, silent treatment like typical narcissist typical narcissist um he wasn't exactly like a, it's your fault kind of person with me anyway um 
But he was more of the that didn't happen. I'm a good father to the public, but wasn't. Um, I was a good husband to the public, but wasn't. Um, so that's how he was. He portrayed an image to other people, and it was just not that way. So that was my dad. So I say all that to say when I started to go to high school, I started to um, look for men who were like my dad, you know, because that's what I saw. And my, like I said, my first boyfriend was when I was 14 and he was nothing like my dad. So I did do a good deed then, but, 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 but with him, I had anxiety and I had anxiety due to trauma because, you know, my parents were divorced and then my dad wasn't there for me. And it, it left me with, you know, anxiety. It left me with um, an imbalanced sacral chakra and solar plexus and root chakra because you look to the men in your family to, you know, be there to support you, to uplift you. And when I was in high school, I had encountered, you know, times where it was like, you know, I could have used my father in this situation, but my father was so absentee that, you know, I turned into like Colombiana. I was just talking to um, someone the other day and I was like, you know, I really resonated with that movie because although nobody shot my parents in front of me, I was so super exposed to criminal activity from the time I was a child, you know, so I grew up with, you know, being on the defense or feeling like I had to defend myself. That's why. You know, and I'll get into that a little more later, but that's why fighting was my second nature. Like people are scared of certain things and I'm not because it's just like when you learn a piano, when you're three years old, that's that becomes a part of you. So what other people are scared of and afraid of, I'm not. I've seen criminals. I've seen warped ass people, like I've said in past episodes. So when you come to me with some shit, it's like, okay. That's nothing new to me. Like you're 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 preaching to the choir with some shit. So back to what I was saying. Dealing with, you know, my dad like that, it left me with a bit of anxiety. So when I was presented with someone who was kind to me, who did, you know, walk me to my classes, who made sure my teachers treated me fairly and was all about me. And he was like two years older. I was like, oh, I'm going to junior prom. We didn't last that long because I broke it off. Um, and I broke it off because I was turning into my dad. I started to have commitment issues, too. He was nice to me, and I looked for the very, very thing in in him that, and I know I was 14, like, you're very young, right? Um, but I looked for the very, very thing that I could use to cut cut it off, you know? And at the time, the phrase when you cut someone off was your cut. So I remember walking down the hall. And he was very respectful. Like me and my cousin went to the same school and he was making sure, you know, he was talking to my cousin and they, you know, they were talking and he had ignored me. And I was like, OK, I'm going to use this one reason to cut him off. And then I felt bad. I wrote him a letter. But by then he was upset. He contacted me nine years later. But by then I was like, what, 23? He found me in the the pages. He never got over me. And I felt, um, you know, I felt bad after that happened, but I didn't regret it. You know, I kept moving. But after him, you know, it's like I wasn't used to people being kind to me. It gave me horrible anxiety. 
because I felt like someone was going to control me at the time. I just, you guys can let me know if you can relate to that. So then I met someone else. You guys know that story. I'm not going to keep going over that one, but that turned into um, a domestic abuse situation um, with someone who we weren't exactly, we didn't have a title, but we were like talking to each other back and forth and he was verbally abusive. It was so confusing. He would say kind things and then poke my stomach in front of other people. Um, You know, I've said this story before and I've gotten over that, but the reason why I'm mentioning this is because I was meeting people who were like my dad. I mean, this one was narcissistic. He did a smear campaign, what they call a smear campaign now. He went to another school and basically smeared me all over another school. And so it got back to me and people were asking me for stuff. And I was like, that's not even my character. That's not even who I am. So he got upset that I had you know, cussed him out and cut him off and cut off all contact with him because that's what you're supposed to do with narcissists. Just cut off all contact. Yes, they're going to start rumors. Yes, they're going to smear you all over the place. But they're going to end up getting their karma. So him too, he found me eight years later and I still have him on my blocked list. Like I still see, you could see his page on my blocked list on Facebook. So that was the, the next one. The third one in high school, um... This one I was talking to for two years, two years at the time. And we were like really, really close friends all to find out that he didn't even want a relationship at the time. So, again, I was meeting people who are noncommittal. I was also noncommittal, but I wanted to commit to people who are noncommittal. It was the weirdest thing, just like my dad. So I was looking for people who were just like him. My last one in high school who were when I was 17, he's in jail now. Um, He turned out to be cuckoo, but I've known him. We were like really close friends. And then I didn't know he had like some hidden, like really deep, dark secrets. And I was like, wow, okay. He's still in, um, he ended up in prison and I'm obviously not going to go into detail about that. It had nothing to do with me. He didn't hurt me. He never hurt me, um, which was a good thing. But um, at this point in time, he was, he was the cheating part of my dad. So we weren't really in a committed relationship. Actually, (laughs) at this time, I kind of got sick of guys and I was really focused on um, going to music school. I was going to audition to music school. He had wanted to see me because he had just got back from down south because he used to live down south. And I was um, 17. He would go back and forth. So he wanted to see me. And again, here comes my anxiety. Like, no, no. I was like, I I have to audition. And so we, it was just kind of like a thing where he just moved on to somebody else, but we weren't exactly broken up. Um, But at the time, I I also started to take on the nature of my dad as well. Because when I found out that he was actually with somebody else or talking to somebody else, I took myself to the movies. I didn't give a fuck. I would get off, I would get... um, what is the word for it? I would get over stuff very, very quickly um, because that's what I saw. You know, I saw people get over stuff quickly and just move on with their lives. And so that's what I was attracting. And then as I got older, it turned into, again, me just constantly looking at men who were noncommittal 
or um, would choose women that reminded me of my dad when he chose someone who looked like the penguin. Now, you guys may think that I'm, I'm not making fun of any, but she, looks, she looked like the penguin on Batman. If you watch the movie, that was her. I'm just being honest. People felt bad for my dad, like real shit. Real shit after seeing her. And so that's what was happening to me, too. I remember I had the hugest crush on someone after my first boyfriend um, when I was 14. And I was so super pissed. I was so super pissed because I thought I looked really good. I had always had my hair done. My hair was curled. You know, I thought I was cute, you know, and he was spending time with me all to find out that he liked someone else. So I was constantly in these situations. So I had the nice one who was all about me and I chose toxicity. And that's what I want people to realize is that you have a choice. See, I had a choice. I was young, though. But as an adult, I'm realizing that I had a choice and I'll get into the adulthood part of it. So I'll never forget, too. I remember I was suspended because that day I found out the guy was, you know, with another girl. Oh, I, I made her life miserable, too, because she was supposedly like a friend of mine. Oh, she I dragged her through the fucking ringer. Um, and so I was pissed that day. And I remember someone had dared me to slap them. And I said this on this podcast before. This person was, you know, considered darker skinned. I would say brown, but he was darker. His skin wasn't exactly red. I slapped the shit out of him. His skin turned red. I was like, you dared me and you shouldn't dare anybody who's, you know, upset. So I got suspended from school for like one day over over that, which now looking back, I'm like, why did you even have a crush? Like the people I used to even have crushes on, I'm like, why? Why? (laughs) There was no need for it. Um, Another time when I was 15 and I was not talking to the crazy who hit me or mushed me in my face and was verbally abusive. This one I talked to all the time and I really held them down. They were this was an older guy. They were five years older than me. So we shouldn't have even been engaging because he was older. Um, And he ended up going to, you know, prison. And I found out like other girls were writing him and he was talking to them. And so. It was just a bunch of it was basically I was just attracted to, you know, this typical guys who liked a certain lifestyle and were noncommittal. And it just followed me for years. So um, what happened then when I got into like the church and stuff, dating was kind of frowned upon. So I didn't date for a very long time. It was and like I said, in a past episode, it was several years that I was not dating anyone. It was like 18 to it was a long time till I left the church, which was, I think it was, was I 25 or 26? So it was a very long time. I was like celibate. And if I felt any, um, you know, sexual feelings, I would go on a fast. Like <laughs> it was a really long time. I was just, people wanted to talk to me too. Like people were mad for years that I was like, no, I don't date. And, <laughs> It's not like people weren't trying to holler. And these were like, you know, good men at the time, too. And I was just like, no, I don't date. You know, I go to church and I'm like saved and all this stuff. And then I had left the church and my mentality kind of changed. But yeah, you know, I've broken the cycle of um, feeling like 
now what I now what I do is if you're not if you're acting like my dad and I'm not saying my dad is like the standard and I compare everyone to my dad. I just know that I don't want to deal with people like that. So if you're doing anything like what he did, silent treatment, smearing me everywhere, talking about me, bashing me, um, and I'm not saying just him, but like past experiences or, you know, not paying me any attention, leave blah, 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 blah. I don't even look at you as a potential nothing. So I've grown from that. I'm like, listen, you're not going to let yourself go out like that. You're not doing that to yourself. If they don't treat you like an empress, then fuck them. So that's what I do. You don't acknowledge my presence. I'm not looking at you. You don't think I'm worth the time and effort to make a time and effort. I'm not looking at you. And this is how you have to be as women or men, too, because you might have had a sucky ass mom if, you know, men are listening. But this is primarily a woman audience because this is what I see. Um, So make sure people are treating you with respect. So I don't chase after anybody. I don't reach out to anybody. Um, I'm not going to send you a message. I'm not going to do the DM. And I've done that before. You know, I, I've done that before. It, it wasn't like a, um, a thirst trap DM or a thirstiness DM. It was just like a pleasant one. Like if I saw someone's story or um, whatever, or if I wanted to do business with someone or, you know, if I, you know, thought they were a decent person or someone I was looking at, you know, Now, I don't do any of that. You know, if I see a picture here and there that I, you know, may see of someone, but that's even rare, too. I have done that, you know, in the recent past, Um, you know, but other than that, I don't do any of that. I don't reach out to people. I'm never doing that. Um, I feel like, you know, I was raised a bit differently and I know. If, if you want someone's time, you'll get it. I don't know if people have girlfriends. I don't know if people have wives. I'm very respectful of that. I'm very respectful of people's boundaries. So I mostly, I focus on my work. Um, I do what I need to do. I've met other people in my adult age, but like I said, you know, angels intervened. They were like, no. Um, someone I met recently, they were, not recently. This was, what, four, three or four years ago. They were very verbally abusive. They were very controlling. They even threatened to kill themselves because I was told to leave them alone because they were being verbally abusive. They called me fat at the time. I was overweight. So another one I encountered, you know, so I didn't even bother with those people. So these people who I encountered, it was never a full-fledged relationship. There were no relations. It was nothing. Um, And then the other time I was paralyzed. So I haven't really had the time to really like go out and see what's out there because I did (laughs) before um, I met someone at Whole Foods. That was the one who was verbally abusive. Um, Then I met some other person. They were like a security guard and they were weird as hell. And I wasn't bothered with them again. Um, But other than that, I was on bed rest. I was working. I didn't really see anybody. Um, It wasn't spiritual. It wasn't a spiritual connection. They weren't on my navigation. It just wasn't there. The vibe wasn't there. So it's not like I've been waiting and anticipating. No, because, you know, I don't think anybody's doing that. You know, that's not, you know, what the creator says for you to do. Um, So now what I'm doing is I'm just 
it is what it is. I'm just like, this is just my destiny. This is my navigation. Whoever comes, they'll come the way they're supposed to come and they'll treat me like the empress that I am and I'll treat them if they do act like that, like the king that they are or the emperor that they are. Other than that, I'm not on you. Like, I'm not, oh my God, I have a crush. You're not doing anything for me to develop that. You know, um, if I did acknowledge you, then yeah, I probably was looking at you. But if I don't receive that back, then what am I going to do? I'm not going to hold on to that unless a move is made. You know, I'm going to focus my attention on something else. So that was the cycle I had to break. So in order for me to break that cycle, I definitely had to do some self-love healing. You know, the gym was very instrumental, you know, getting my body back, feeling good about myself, changing my diet was very instrumental in doing that. And then the first thing you have to do when it comes to cycle breaking, which is what I kind of want to move into is how to break the cycle. You have to realize that you're in a cycle. And what I mean by that, the way you're going to realize that you're in a cycle is if you keep attracting the same people or you keep attracting the same things into your life. Okay. Now, my second cycle was, um, and I'll get back to how I broke that specific cycle, but another cycle I had to break was drug addiction. You know, um, some drug, you know, my close people who, who knew, they knew I was doing some drugs, street drugs, um, and, but, you know, it was kind of hidden that I was also doing the prescription drugs. But um, so that was a cycle I had to break. And I was doing that for almost eight years, almost eight years, even when I was going to church. That was um, uh, addiction that I struggled breaking because I was I still had issues with past abuse and I would get flashbacks and I really just wanted to go to sleep. So I would take, you know, for Motrin just to get me to sleep. Um, I used to pop hydrocodone in the oxycodone when I would go to school and things. And so. That cycle had to be broken. Um, and in order for that to have been broken, I started to replace, you know, well, my mom had got me off of one of them because I was in high school and she was the mom, you know. But as 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 <laughs> as I got into adulthood, I had to break that cycle by um, really, honestly, that took prayer. That cycle right there, that took a lot of prayer. Um, that took me, I remember vaguely me praying and me just saying, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore to my body. I want to, whatever I need to go through, I'm going to go through it. So whatever moods, I went through the mood swings. I went through everything. Um, I developed a food addiction, but I said, you know what? This is my process right now. I have a food addiction because I'm craving certain flavors and certain tastes and certain things. And so I went overboard on that. It's been eight years, me not being on anything. Um, so I'm happy about that. Um, but that was a cycle that I had to break, but I had to realize that it was a cycle. I had to recognize where it stemmed from, you know, and it really stemmed from me, you know, not loving myself as I should have. It stemmed from me feeling rejected. It stems from me feeling all imbalanced. Um, it stemmed from me being around the wrong people and me always feeling like I had to fight or feeling like I had to argue or not feeling safe. And that stemmed from childhood with my dad. I did not feel safe. I did not feel safe. I thought I didn't feel I didn't know how to act around men. I didn't know how to act, you know, 
you know, I just did my best, you know, when it came to that. So when you're going to school and you're surrounded by certain people and you're empathic, that's another thing I didn't really know. Like I knew I was intuitive. I knew I was spiritually gifted. You know, at the time, you know, I was going to church, so it was called prophetic. I knew all of that, but I didn't know where to place that energy. So I did my best. You know, I did toxic substances to, to balance myself. Because you go to school, you feel everybody's energies. You kind of know when things are off. You kind of know when something's about to go down. And it ends up, you know, you end up taking certain things just so you could cope with it. So that was another cycle I had to break. So back to the first cycle. So in order for me to have broken the first cycle with dealing with toxic men and dealing with toxic ass dudes, and I had to be exposed. Like I said, I had to be exposed to people who were kind I had to delve within and ask myself, why are you attracted to toxicity? Even though I didn't like being mushed in my face, even though I didn't like being verbally abused, even though I didn't like being controlled, I kept attracting this. And I was like, why are you attracting this to yourself? So I had to start to take accountability. That's your way to move forward is by taking accountability and saying, listen, you're attracting this because you really want it. Because if you didn't really want it, then you wouldn't attract that to you. Now, I'm not saying what they're doing is correct, but when you see the signs, run, run, motherfucker, run. Like, seriously, run, bitch, run, <laughs> run away. Um, it really had to do with self-love. It was definitely a, a daddy issue of mine. You know, it's, it's what I thought I deserved. And in order for me to break that cycle, I had to take myself out on dates, um, spruce myself up, that took a very long time. Um, if you're also interested, I also have my book, Love Like Chocolate, where it literally shows you through short story poems how to actually treat yourself so someone else can treat you the way that you want to be treated. And it allows you to get to know yourself. It shows you how to organize around your peace so you're not overwhelmed. It shows you um, how to take yourself out on, on dates, how to do self-care, all of that. And it's a short, short book um, that's up on Amazon. You could look at my little link tree link. Um, and click on books okay and definitely grab that book it's amazing it's part of my two-part series my erotic series the first part is more erotic the second one is not not erotic at all if any um so you can get both if you're interested in both um the first part of the series is for people who have gone through domestic abuse and it you know, it deals with your shadow side and it just it's really cynical and like a dark sense of humor. So if you like that kind of thing, then definitely get that one. And then you'll see the opposite of the first one with the second one. So um, breaking that cycle wasn't easy. I really had to do a lot of self-love, a lot of self-healing, a lot of journaling, a lot of positive affirmations, a lot of um, getting used to and not feeling like everybody was going to hurt me. Um, getting used to the fact that it's okay. And that's what I think too. It's okay if people don't stay long-term. I'm not saying you go in with that mentality like, oh yeah, I know you're going to leave, but you have to be open and saying what's meant to be will be. So that's where I'm at now too. I'm not, you know, it would be nice if you're married to someone for like 10 and 20 and 30 years, but let's face it. Sometimes life doesn't work out that way. So I'm open to whatever happens was meant to happen. And I know this was my purpose and I know this was my journey. 
So that's where I'm really at um, in terms of in terms of that. So that's how I started to break that cycle is really doing a lot of self-love, getting to know myself, um, really pouring into myself, really telling myself you are deserving, um, doing things that I did deserve, um, doing things that made me happy, you know, and um, another cycle I had to. So back to the the drug addictions too obviously i stopped you know taking the pills i didn't have the pills in my house but you know what even when i did have them still in there i did not take them so i kind of went cold tofurkey on that so that was a miracle within of itself did i have the mood swings did i go through a lot you know mentally absolutely it was withdrawal you know i didn't go to rehab i did my own rehab and this is why i help people you know today with their stress and anxiety because I get it. So that's how I broke out of that. Um, I also, also the, another way I broke out of that too, because people don't realize that after you're done with drugs, you still can get the thoughts that come with it, you know, um, to where you're like, oh, I'm having a bad day. So I'm having a bad day. So let me do this. I'm really appreciative of essential oils because what I realized is that when it did come to drugs, I was looking for that dopamine high. And what I found was your body doesn't want that dopamine high. Your body craves balance. And see, when you're dealing with traumatic situations, you crave a high, you know, because that's what you think is balance, but that's false. What's actually balanced is what keeps you feeling peaceful in a peaceful state. So when I discovered essential oils, which was, I want to say three years after I stopped taking drugs, I was super happy because I had gone through that three years looking for something that would really boost my mood, you know, cause I depended on that to, to boost my mood at times. Um, and so when I found essential oils and I studied them and their properties, I was like, these little miracles in a bottle really, really helped me. So it, it, it caused me to feel euphoric. I was like, I don't need to do drugs. And now I, I do, you know, there's CBD too now. So that helps as well. Cause that's an herb. Um, we also have an endocannabinoid system, so we need cannabis. So I was super excited when I discovered those things and, you know, I don't have a desire to to do drugs, you know, um, and I'm thankful, you know, that I don't have that desire. I know how it can destroy the body and things. So that was another cycle I had to break. Um, another cycle was a cycle of depression. Um, I would get into deep, deep, deep depressions where whew, I um, couldn't get out of the bed. And when you're depressed, you don't feel like doing anything. You don't feel like doing any single thing. And you begin to think no one loves you. And you begin to think, you know, there's no support around you because your brain is so clouded with everything. It's very tired. It's mentally drained. And in order for me to break that cycle, I had to really get tired of being depressed. Because I realized that getting depressed didn't solve anything. It was like I, I once I finally started to see depression as a teacher and I'm like, this is my teacher. It's showing me what I need to work on. It's showing me that I have, you know, some imbalances. It's showing me certain things. And 
Um, once I discovered that, that's when I got out of, I started to find things that I enjoyed. You know, whenever you feel depressed, you need to find something that you absolutely enjoy. You know, and this is why I have so many um, creative activities. You know, if I'm not working with a client, then I'm doing graphic design. If I'm not doing graphic design, then I'm doing self-care. If I'm not doing self-care, then I'm doing exercise. If I'm not doing exercise, then I'm watching a funny movie. If I'm not watching a funny movie, then I'll be resting. If I'm not resting, then I'm doing, you know, pick a card readings or doing intuitive readings for people or I'm developing a program. You have to have stuff in what I call your toolkit, your survival toolkit. Honestly, your survive you need a survival toolkit for depression. Because let me tell you, depression is a cousin to suicide. Um, and you guys have heard my story when it comes to that as well, you know, when I was 15 years old. So um, I have a survival uh, toolkit, you know, for depression. You know, every day is um, the day that you get to create. And so if you do feel a little depressed, you feel your mood go low, you want to journal, you want to discover where the depression stems from. Um, if you're too depressed to even journal, then you want to do nothing that day, okay? But you also want to make a promise to yourself that while you're not going to do anything that day, the next day when you feel a little bit better, you're going to discover what was causing it. Um, if you feel like doing nothing that day, you want to make sure that you're eating, some of you need to eat some watermelon, some melons, some berries, some honeydew melon, some cantaloupe to boost your mood. You want to decide that if you're not going to interact with people that day, if you need a, a mental break, that you're going to diffuse essential oils. You see how this works? You have to work on your healing or it's going to keep hitting you. That anxiety is going to keep hitting you. That depression is going to keep hitting you. A lot of people say it's my depression. It's my anxiety. And it doesn't belong to you. That's not what you were birthed with. It doesn't belong to you. That is a chemical imbalance. That is also an imbalance that stems from trauma. You know, I just heard traumatic brain injury. Maybe some of you even have a traumatic brain injury that may cause that, may cause you to feel, um, I'm hearing CPTSD or PTSD, you know? So you definitely want to get to the root of that and have things that will cause you to break out of it. So like I said, I hope you're taking um, notes on all of this. So the way in which you are going to break out of these cycles is with my six-step eat stress away method, honestly. You know, it's through doing um, nutrition, you know, eating healthy. Um, and some people are like, well, when you're depressed, you're not going to want to eat healthy. And that's why I created my recipes in a way where you'll want to eat healthy. Because let's face it, when you're depressed and when you're anxious and when you're stressed as fuck, right? You want a big slice of cake. You want pizza. You want lasagna. You want whatever is, you know, going to feel like it's filling an emotional void. And this is why I've purposely created recipes to where when you do have days like that, you can have cake. However, the ingredients that are in them are so filled with nutrient-dense ingredients that they will support your mental health. And you're probably not going to get past one to two slices of it if you do have it. 
because it's going to satiate you. Your body's going to be restored back to balance and you're going to feel mentally well in the process. So that's the difference between you getting empty, empty calories from processed foods and foods filled with nutrients because empty calories are going to cause you to binge eat. Whereas the nutrients and the ingredients that I have in my foods and my recipes, like I created food, um, and my recipes support your mental health and keep you from binge eating. Okay, and let's say you did binge eat or have, you know, more than the amount. It's nothing's really going to happen. If anything, you're still going to feel better. So, you know, this is why I have, you know, the program like that. The second is, you know, the time management and it gives you time to put yourself first. So if you have these things in place, you're constantly keeping your brain um you're thinking on these things that are pure and honest and lovely, you know, and that's how I designed my program is for you to think on positive things. And I'm not saying that toxic positivity, like nothing bad ever happens in life. Nothing bad ever happens to me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when you do think that you can journal it, you can talk to me about it, you know, do coaching, you can decide that, you're going to trans transform those thoughts. You're going to pay attention to them so you can transform. You know, that's why some of those thoughts come. It's for you to observe, not absorb them. You know, doing the self-love and boundaries. Um, the fourth one, exercise. Exercise has changed my life. Exercise has been the drug for me. Like, seriously, it has saved my life from doing that. Um Serious. So if you do feel depressed, I mean, exercise, get up and do some squats. You know, you have to make the choice to get up and do something. Move an arm, wiggle around, do something when you feel like that. Um, and then create your life, finding your purpose. A lot of people are depressed and anxious because they don't have a purpose. Sometimes you're surrounded by toxic people and that could cause you to feel depressed and anxious. Um, and then number six is living that life. So I basically took all of that from my program, the Eat Stress Away program, and I made the Stress-Free Me membership, which is a year long versus the three-month program. So you get the similar results, but within a year, although you'll see that you reduce stress within, you know, a month, um, which is great for... Um, for such a, a low cost uh, program, $29.97 per month or $299.97 uh, for the year. So I hope this episode was truly beneficial and that it helped you. You're not alone in what you're dealing with, but you do need to know that you're worth more than what you're giving yourself. Um, you're not, you don't have to attract toxicity into your life. You can set boundaries that doesn't make you a bitch. If you set boundaries, that doesn't make you mean that you set boundaries. Um, it doesn't mean that it doesn't make you entitled that you want more for yourself and that you desire certain things, you know. And if people make you feel like that, then maybe they have narcissistic tendencies and you shouldn't be around them. Um, just know that you're deserving to live another day. Um, life is only hard when you make it hard in your mind because you don't have solutions. So if you truly want solutions, if you truly want solutions then reach out to a health professional that can help steer you in the right direction, um, because you can't stay there, you know, for, for that long, you know, and I'll, I'll share this very quickly and then I'm going to hop off. 
Um, when I went to music school, uh, I had strict, strict teachers and a lot of my professors that were very strict and wouldn't crack a smile really liked me as a student. And, um, but they, they were, they gave critical, you know, feedback. They really cared, you know, you couldn't go to music school and, and break down and show that you just couldn't deal with it anymore. You know, I had a choice. I felt, you know, a lot, some things were nerve wracking. And at the time I didn't know I had ataxia. So my nerves were actually through the roof. Um, I wasn't a nervous person, but I did have a neurological disorder, which was ataxia that was undiagnosed at the time. So I would get like um, tremors and just thought I was nervous. And it was like, no, you're not nervous. You're, you have ataxia. So now I know what that was. But um, when and that's actually when I started looking into food as healing because I did not want to take beta blockers for performances. But anyway, so when I went through that process, I could feel nervous. I could feel myself about to shit on myself. Um, I could feel all these things. Like I said, it wasn't, you know, nervousness. It was just stress. Like I had so much going on, 11 classes, a business and a side hustle. That was too much on me. I was putting myself through college. I did, you know, scholarships, you know, my mom was a single mom and she was working, you know, she obviously would have chipped in, but you know, I wanted to pay for things and I did, I got scholarships. I put myself through school. Um, but anyway, so I did that and you know, those professors, they wouldn't let up. If you sucked at playing, they would tell you you suck and here's where, what you need to fix and do it again and get it right. They weren't, ba they did not baby you. And that's what I want you to realize is that while life can seem very, very hard, if you baby yourself to death, it's okay to cry. It's okay to let it out. But what are you going to do after you cry and let it out? Are you going to, do you want to go through that cycle of crying and not getting anywhere? Do you want to go through that cycle of feeling low and feeling depressed? Or do you want to break free from that and say, you know what? I'm amazing. This is not how my life was supposed to be. I'm going to create my life. Those professors only allowed me to bring the best out of myself. When I used to transcribe music, which is what I absolutely loved doing, I would transcribe trumpets, saxophone, violins, everything for a whole entire orchestra. This was the most strict professor. I made it out of his class with a B. That was a high-ass score for that professor because he would fail you in a heartbeat, and it was like, fuck your feelings. But you know what I did? I went and asked questions. You know, he gave, he would mark up my paper. Every time he would give me my paper, I was like, yep, I failed. Then I, was, I would see it. I was like, oh, I got an 85. Oh, I got a 92 on this. He would just give constructive feedback. If you falter every time you're faced with something difficult, then you're losing at life. Make sure that whenever you're faced with something, you go into your, your toolkit. Just like, I don't know, they used to have on Barney, when I look into my Barney bag, <laughs> you know, that song that used to come on on Barney. I don't know if Barney was legit from what I heard, but anyway, just take the song from it. Have a toolkit like that bag and see what you can do to get yourself to the next level. Do you need to go see a professional? Do you need to eat healthier? What can you do? There's always a solution to problems. You're not stuck. Being stuck is an illusion. And on that note, have an unfiltered day, loverly peacefuls. See you next week.